unwritten rules of Facebook. It cut all of our ad costs by over 70%. How do you want to be able to take in all of this data that's around us? Some of these campaigns have done up to $20 million in sales. I think this is going to be the future for the next 10 years. And now here is The Win with your hostess, serial entrepreneur, marketeer, and chief sexy boss, Heather Havenwood. Our whole world revolves around our iPhone, iPad, Droid. You know they say we look at our phones on average 150 times a day? And if you're a small business and want to actually grow, you need to reach people where they're looking at and listening the most, their smartphones. See, marketing via text messaging is a great way to start and it's super easy. Just text the word START to 72000 to learn more about my friends at Mobit. They're marketing experts and they will show you how to use text messaging for your business and to get more leads and convert them amazingly. Again, text the word START to 72000. Again, that's text the word START, S-T-A-R-T, to 72000. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Win with Heather Havenwood. And today I have on... A really cool person, and I love it because he's got a really thick Southern accent. Charles, are you on the line? Hey, hey, hey. How's it going? <laughs> Good. I love your accent, maybe because I'm a Texan. So this is Charles Kirkland. He's the founder of Media Buyer Association, and he is fully committed to empowering media buyers and marketers to create successful campaigns through real-world education and hands-on training. Charles is a walking, talking, networking blend of credibility and know-how. Raised in a working-class family, he combined a tenacious work ethic and keen sense of curiosity to usher him over one hurdle over another. I love what you're doing, Charles, and you and I met at a mastermind a while back, and I just love what you're doing. So let's talk about who you are and how did you start the Media Buyer Association? Yeah, I'll give you a quick little rundown. Sure. Um, like the average American, I went to high school, thought life was great, went to uh, college, got a degree, got a job, discovered that I was not cut out for working with uh, with other people or really for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, very shortly after that, got carpal tunnel, had surgery, decided that I, this. Now, let's go back in our little time machine. We're talking about 1999. I decided, you know what? This work, I would drive an hour to work in traffic, an hour and a half back. This traffic was like really crappy when I got off. And I'm sitting here thinking, do, you know, you, as you're driving home and you're in the early 20s, you're thinking, if I have to endure like 40 years of this, I'm going to go crazy. I see why people go postal. It's crazy. Oh, my God. Um, I so love that because I remember that one year I did that hour and a half drive back and forth and I literally almost went postal. So. <laughs> Uh, I'd be sitting in the car and, you know, from a radio station standpoint, you know, it's like you can only listen to the top 10 songs so many times (laughs) every single day. So I'm sitting here going home thinking, you know, I'm going to create a business. The Internet seems to be this wild west. I knew nothing about it, by the way. And long story short, started a business in the first month I was online. I told everybody I'm quitting my job, you know, starting this Internet business. My family's like, you know, we paid a stupid amount of money for you to get an education, and you're going to start some internet business. Um, needless to say, I can't repeat the adjectives that were used <laughs> to me, but let's just say they were less than uh, happy. Long story short, 
first month online, I made $0. And um, pretty much reaffirmed everybody's concept that I was crazy. Second month, I made about $10,000. Mm. Now, I'm selling PDF downloads, like, like, like plans, like, you know, how to build a barn, how to build a shed. Um, basically made it for a couple months. We were just hitting crazy, insane numbers. Mm-hmm. And Google ended up de-indexing us. And I would love to tell you I had, like, massive skills back then, but uh, we were probably just spamming. We were, we were using some tools, and we were creating, like, just imagine thousands of doorway pages, landing pages every day, pushing them out to, like, Hotbot, AltaVista, Northern Light, Yahoo, Google. And unfortunately, Google de-indexed me, and I actually um, had I watched an entire business collapse on top of me. Mm. Now you're not alone, you know, and I have to say this because you're not alone back in the day. I mean, I was, this is back in the day, right? 99, 2000, yeah. 2001. Yeah. And guys, y'all have to remember, I mean, I remember I was, I was around. It's like, as soon as Google slaps you or, in, you know, does something like that, it's like all of a sudden everything just like goes to a dead standstill yeah. of silence. You know, it's like, oh my God, what do I do? <laughs> it's true. I mean, it, you know, like now, I'd have the skills. Oh, I I fix that. But you know, back then, that was that was serious stuff. I mean, that was like like people were jumping out of windows because their internet business just exploded. So at that point, I'm thinking, okay, I can figure this out. I ran through all the cash I had pretty quickly trying to figure it out, mm-hmm. and ended up getting a job as a project manager. Um, so just imagine me as a project manager, back in back, you know, driving back to work and everything else. And one thing that really kind of hit me with this whole thing was somebody had is a puzzle and somebody else figured it out. So we, I started getting involved in paid traffic. I'd already had a bunch of sales experience. And when I figured it out that basically I could put money in to Google, and th- back then it was like Google and Yahoo, and I could get money out, and I actually figured it out in a very short time. I actually worked for a year, quit my job. And became one of the top 100 affiliates at ClickBank, became one of their top vendors, and became one of their top sellers. I mean, it was like, you know, I mean, it's like you walk through the yard and money fell off the tree. I mean, it truly was that this example. Is, no, this is beautiful because I think that a lot of people on entrepreneurs think that it's just one win. No, the internet it has this way of like giving you a win like Vegas and then punching you in the face and then giving you a yeah. win and then punching you in the yeah. face. You know, you're like, I want, I want, poop. I want, I want, poop. You yeah. know, you're like, okay, I just got hit. And it's like that. There's like this excitement with the internet and it'll hit you. And then you learn something. You're like, oh my God, there's this moment of like, I put money into Google and money comes out. I put money into Google. Money. And, and there's this beauty that just like, I love it. I get it. You know, get and it. the same thing is, like, when you look at it from a standpoint of, like, before, I mean, you're talking a year, literally a year and two months before that, I'm laying on the bed, staring at this. I've got no clue how I'm going to put clothes on my kids, how I'm paying my house payment. Yeah. And to go from that, the, then becoming, like, you know, you know, just killing it. And I actually kind of figured out about a six months, about six months into this whole thing, I kind of figured it out. Mm-hmm. But when you've already just lost everything you had, you can't go to your wife and go, honey, I got it figured out this time. Just trust me with everything we have one more time. It literally took me having to like show her, look, look, this month we did it, we did it, we did it. Yeah. And I mean, that's the point. That's making more from the internet than my job. 
But I couldn't quit expect to tell her, you know, we'd go at least six months with like stupid sales, you know, stupidly insane sales just to prove it wasn't a fluke. Right. Um, and, and people don't quite, quite get that. It, it, they're, your highs are high. Yeah, but and their lows, lows are low. So it's like low. gambling. Someone said the other day, they said, I said something, well, media buying's a little bit like gambling. And they had this like, oh, no, it's not. I'm like, it kind of, I mean, I'm actually curious what you think. I think it is. Here's why. Is. A good gambler, like a good gambler, I'm talking like high roller, as they call them, right? They understand the game, whatever their game, their choices. Let's say poker. They own that baby, right? They understand that baby. They're also the ones who are throwing down 10K or 20K or 100K or they're, you know, whatever, $200,000 at one game because they've gotten to a level of mastery. But at the end of the day, it still is a gamble. They put money in, they get money out. Sometimes they get put money in, they don't get money out. Then they put money in again. Mm-hmm. And there's a particular way you have to play that game in gambling and own it like you do media buying. And I tell people that. I'm like, if you're not willing to literally gamble and own that, then don't play that game, you know? I don't yep. know blackjack for the life of me. I know the basics. You put thing down and then you get like a twenty one thing and that's it. But I don't know the game really. You know, like the odds mm-hmm. and all that. So I'm not I'm not gonna go throw down a hundred dollars and expect myself to get a hundred dollars back. I'm like I'm gonna throw it down, have some fun, go get a cocktail. Oh, I just lost hundred bucks, let's not do that again, move on. You know, so I think media buying is one of those things that it's kind of like this it's like gambling. People don't really understand it. It's like this, you know, behind the curtain thing you know and i think that's what you're talking about you had to learn it but commit to it and then you had to ask that question in six months is it a fluke or is it real so what happened was it real or was it a fluke oh it was real i was killing it and uh this is going back to like you put all your eggs in one basket because that's just the way you know life happens um it never occurred to me that if one account got banned that i just flushed the toilet on my income again so Literally, as you can probably imagine, I had an account ban. You know, Google pretty much said, we don't want your money regardless of how much you're giving us. And I'm like, you know, you're stupid. I'm trying to give you, like, crazy money. And they're like, don't want it. And that's really when it hit me that I had pretty much had a single single source of income. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, let's just say Google and Yahoo. But Yahoo is small compared to Google. And at that point, I realized, okay, PPC, pay-per-click is imported, but there's another world out there that I can't get caught with my pants down again. This, this, this is not going to happen. I dove into like literally trying to, Hey, I got a, Hey, I got a new AdWords account. I was smart enough to have like, you know, get one of those. <laughs> right. Um, and, and at that point I really went head first into learning, like what can I learn about virtually every traffic source? Cause I realized there had to be a few fundamentals that would make it work for anything. It's, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or, or AdWords or email marketing or, or links, anything you do, there's got to be a pattern. Same thing with gambling. There, there are patterns you see. Yeah, there's patterns, right? And once you, and odds once and you recognize those mm-hmm. patterns, everything else falls in, falls in place. And I pretty much just went head first into figuring out those patterns. And when I did, all of a sudden, it really opened me up to go work with other people because it's like, it's like, oh, what are you doing? They go, AdWords. I'm like, yeah, have you thought about X, Y, and Z? No. Okay, well, let's take the patterns I know, apply them to your business, and let's see what happens. And then at that point, clients were like, shoot, this stuff works. And I'm like, yeah, it does. So well, really, you know, it's... Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, so I love what you're saying because I think people have this... I, I know for myself, media buying has always had this 
scary kind of feel to it because like I'm going to put down $10, $500, $10,000. What am I going to get? Ah, scary. Mm-hmm. Same thing with uh, old school marketing. I'm going to put a billboard up for $3,000. What do I get? Uh, I'm going to put an ad in a magazine. What do I get? What is that? And I love the old advertising model of like, well, you get to be in front of a thousand potential. Maybe, maybe they open your <laughs> buyer. Maybe, possibly. We're not sure. So uh, at least with the media buying today, there's so tra- it's so trackable, like X amount of open clicks. And there is a pattern to it. And I love that you're starting to what I call demystify the pattern, you know, like demystify the the wizard behind the curtain, because once you have control of true media buying in your business, oh my God, you literally, as they say, turn on the switch and turn off the switch whenever you need to. You literally can put money in and money comes out the other side. Am I right on that? Would you agree? Oh, no, you you're think? exactly you're exactly right. And, and you know, the key is like, and this is why I think so many people really make a mistake. A large part of it just comes down to only a handful of things make a difference. Like when we're looking at, let's like just what? say, Let's say Facebook, Google, MSN doesn't make a difference. Okay. At the end of the day, your prospects, the key to making all of this work, it, it really comes down to do you know who that prospect is to the point you can tell them what's keeping them up at night, where they hang out, what they're doing, and their worst nightmare. And I find so many people don't have that. You know, we talk to people like, okay, what are you doing? Where's things at? Who's your buyer? Because the key is if you don't know who the buyer is, it's just totally a lost cause. Or they say, everyone's my buyer. Have you done that? Oh, you got that? that. Oh, yeah. Who can buy yeah. your product? Everyone. Yeah. No, 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 no. Wrong answer. <laughs> like, wrong answer. It's not the Chia Pet, dude. Even the Chia Pet had an avatar. Okay? Chia absolutely, Pet. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's what people, you know, like, what we look at is like, okay, let's just, I'm going to make an avatar up. Let's yeah. say our avatar is 35 to 50. Okay. She's a divorced female, mm-hmm. corporate executive, has two kids, or let's just say makes over $100,000 a year, has two kids. If you want to ask, you know, what is that? Why is she buying? Mm-hmm. She is buying a whole lot of stuff that is for her, for her kids. She's buying stuff for her. She's buying stuff to make her feel good. She's buying things that relate to her, her empowerment. Um, her retirement, you know, she's already been through a divorce, you know, already had some husband who turned out to be a pig. You know, I'm not saying the guys are pigs, but they can be pigs. Mm-hmm. And she's looking for happiness, whether the happiness is found in relationships, mm-hmm. whether that happiness is found in material things, vacations, trips, um, spending time with other, you know, other women. Uh, but she's looking for something. And what you have to look at is if that's your avatar, mm-hmm. You sell them what they want. Most people make the mistake of going, well, my avatar, like you said, is anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, if you shut up at my house and say, Charles, I got a semi-truck full of uh, Gucci purses, Gucci bags, um, you know, the, the nicest shoes you'll ever find in the world, would you like them for $100? I'm like, get stuff out of my drive. I don't want it. You know, I'm not wearing a dress. Don't want a Gucci bag. Don't think it would look good on me. But if you came up and said, hey, Charles, would you, you know, we've got some hiking stuff and some athletic shorts and, you know, we got some stuff for outdoor, I'm like, back it into the garage right now. Take your money and go. The reality of it is just because you don't want it, that's fine. 
but you have to understand who that avatar is. Not only that, Once I think you you're speaking to the, the, the psychological view of the avatar. Like when you said she's divorced and she's looking for things to make her yeah. happy. That's a psychological yeah. feeling of that person, not just 35 to 50, what you think they should be doing, but what they're feeling in their psychological view. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, like the your example, if you brought that, that uh, truck with all that stuff at, let's say if they did that, you know, hiking boots, things like that, if you, let's say, LA, if you gave it to a, bunch, a guy mm -hmm. in LA or New York, he, he's like, I, I, you know, I'm on Wall Street. I'm, I'm a actor. I don't, I don't wear that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? There's a psychological view of, I think the avatar as well, that you need to keep that in mind. Right. Am I right on that? Oh, absolutely. No, you're, you're 100% on the money on that. And, and, and you look at where your buyer is or where your prospect is in that cycle. So mm -hmm. I'll give you a, a good example of this one. You know, we, we all have certain hobbies, you know, likes and dislikes, and whether it's politically correct or not, whether, you know, it doesn't make a difference. But because of that, I'm always in the mode, like, for, I've got a particular outdoor hobby. I'm, like, literally always in the mode looking for new things for that hobby. And, um, you know, when I find it, I'm excited. I will spend good amounts of money on it. Mm -hmm. But on the same token, somebody else in the house, that's like, that, that's ridiculous. Nobody was that kind of money on something, but to me, kind of big deal. I, you know, I want it. I know the value of it. If you were to come in the garage, you go, Charles, that's the ugliest bicycle I've ever seen. You spent how much for that? It's made out of what? You're an idiot. You know, and, but the psychological thing for me is, well, I got one, but there's a better one. So you always want to upgrade from that standpoint. And when you understand that, you know, like, what are those core desires? My core desire is really it, you know, not any faster. You know, my little legs are going as fast as they can go. I look like I'm out of breath, a two-pack-a-day smoker, an alcoholic, you know, riding a bicycle. I look bad. <laughs> but mentally, because I have that, it makes it better. Yeah, that's a good point. That's, that's, that's a good point. I, go have ahead, a, go I have a question for you on media buying. I'd like to see if you can impossibly talk to some some case studies, you know, some uh, some of your clients or past clients, current clients have gone through the Media Buyer Association and how they've increased their business with media buying. But going to the psychological piece, how does business owners, how should they view media buying? And maybe it's another way, do you have clients come to you and they say their view on media buying? You're like, oh, you're, you're looking at this all wrong here. All right. So, oh, well, absolutely. Yeah. So, can you speak to that, like the 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 mindset yeah. of a a media buyer, a good media buyer, um, and then some maybe some case studies. Okay. This is the key to. to and I know this is going to be extremely painful for everybody on this call. The same as gambling, the key to being good is being detached from the outcome. Mm -hmm. um, the, I'll give you a classic example. If most people, they're low, let's say they load up Facebook, they're doing a Facebook campaign, they get four they get four leads and they spend 50 bucks. They're like, there's no way I can make $10 per lead work. I have to have it at $3 per lead. The average marketer, which, which is good, they look at that and go, man, cut that off. It's a total failure. I can't believe I spent two days, you know, $50, four leads. The media buyer looks at it because we're completely detached from the outcome. Partially, even when it's my own money, I have to still be detached from the outcome. My idea is, okay, I spent $50. I got four leads. Where did those leads come from? How much did those leads really cost? And what didn't work? So at that point, I may 
let the campaign run, you know, continue to bleed money, as some people would say, until I get enough data that I can make an educated choice. Most people start a campaign up, it doesn't work, and they freak out and shut it down. If you shut it down too soon, you don't get any data from it other than you just spent money. What you're really looking for is to buy the data. So maybe out of those that campaign that we ran, let's say a Facebook campaign, and it's got 10 different interests. And we're selling a product of how to do email marketing. So we're targeting Frank Kern, Ryan Dice, AWeber, GetResponse, Infusionsoft, um, Dan Kennedy, insert whatever you want to use. doesn't make a difference. Out of those 10 interests, you may discover that the campaign that targeted AWeber got, actually got a lead for about three bucks. But the rest of the money was spent on Ryan Dice and Frank Kern. While they're great guys, when, you know, they're, they're very broad appeal to the Internet. Mm-hmm. Our campaign worked on, like, AWeber, GetResponse, and Infusionsoft. Those, those are the three where your four leads came from. If you kill the campaign too soon, you don't know where you, – you don't have any data. You let the campaign – you bleed the money. You get the data. You say, you know what? This ad resonated with AWeber, GetResponse, and Infusionsoft. I'm going to create another campaign only targeting AWeber, GetResponse. Because at that point, you've got a little data. And we go a step further at that point. We could begin to start rotating images and go, you know what? This ad with this image, this body copy, is actually working. And quite often, you'll find that even these campaigns are total failures. There's a handful of things in there that if you were to just take out and start using, your campaigns would go sky high. So let's take it a step further. Let's just say that AWeber, GetResponse, and Infusionsoft. Which one of those do you use, by the way? I use AWeber and Infusionsoft and MailChimp, just depending on the list. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, good, 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 good. Okay, let's go ahead and look at user intent. Okay. I have nothing against nothing against AWeber. I don't use it. Um, I have nothing against GetResponse. I think I think all, I think all those are great products. But what is the commitment for a person to get Infusionsoft versus AWeber? Oh, big difference. It's half the price. Yep. So if you're going to go get Infusionsoft, let's just say that's a $700 setup fee of a quick start thing, $299 per month for like, I don't know, a couple thousand people. So at this point, to get that, you, you've, made a, you've made a serious commitment to your business that mm-hmm. says you have to be at least making some level of income. People just don't go out and go, Give me Infusionsoft. I don't even have a website, but you know, I want it. that doesn't happen. You also only get Infusionsoft if you typically have a product, a business, revenue. So if you get a lead from a Weber, it's like a dollar trial for 30 days. Get response, dollar trial for 30 days. Same thing. Mm-hmm. MailChimp, it's free. I think it's like 100 leads or something like that. I'm not really sure. But the commitment for a Infusionsoft user is way different from a commitment from an AWeber user. That's true. So, so what you're saying, someone who is what I call investing, it's an investment into a, into Infusionsoft, has a different kind of view of their software as an investment into their company for systematic reasons yes. versus someone who just started an AWeber account. Like, I just want to start some email. I mean, it is a different kind of, kind of view. I think Infusionsoft specifically, it really is an investment into your business systems structure. It's a very different conversation intent of use versus mm-hmm. like AWeber. Like, I just want to start, you know, talking about my massage and stuff, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's a different kind of intention. So that's what you're saying, that that has a direct correlation to media buying? Oh, 
Oh, absolutely. It's huge. It's huge. Okay. So when we're targeting, let's say that we're, let's say our leads are $10 a piece. Okay. And we want to get 100 leads. Let's just say that we're going to drop $1,000. We need 100 leads. Do you want 100 Infusionsoft fans or do you want 100 Aweber fans? Whoa, I don't know. I want 100 Aweber fans. Does it matter? I want, no, I want 100 Infusionsoft fans. Right. So if we're to go target Infusionsoft, let's take this a step further. We, because we now know who our buyer profile is, maybe that we can say Infusionsoft is what converted for this campaign. We can take and we know that that's what's working. We can take Infusionsoft. We can go to some place like similar webs. We can go to Alexa. We can go to a lot of different places, mm-hmm. and we can say, "Give me the give me the profile of the average person visiting this site." And all of a sudden, you will find the average profile is probably between thirty-five to sixty, or thirty-five fifty-five. Probably make well over hundred thousand dollars a year. Runs a small business, maybe five to ten people. Um, split probably 40, 60, 60% male, 40% female. Mm-hmm. Now, when you have that kind of data, we can turn around and we can put that back into our Facebook campaign. So just imagine if we were only targeting Infusionsoft users who were male or female, we can target either one. We could start tailoring our copy to that end user, which is, you know, are ready to make an investment in your business but just not getting the ROI from the email you expect. Because they bought Infusionsoft partially because of email, partially because of one-click upsells. It's extremely complicated. It's very powerful. But now we can go target those people. Now, let's take this a step further. Well, I want to say one thing real quick in there, which is an yeah. important piece, and I want people to understand it. You said it earlier, it's about buying the data. And what you're talking about is the data. And you said it, you said it earlier. Media buying is buying data, and when you once you have the data, then where he's going through the step process here of like how what can what you can do with that data. It's a really important piece. So keep going. What's the step two? Okay. Now the next thing we can say, let's just say that we were to target Infusionsoft users by themselves. Let's just say that's a hundred thousand people. Okay. Um, while a lot of uh, people will say, you know, you don't target anywhere less than a hundred thousand. Some people say the magic number is a million. The reality of it is the magic number is who the right people are. If yeah. there are only 30,000 of these people, there are only 30,000. If there are 100,000, there are 100. If there are a million, there are a million. What we'll do, we'll go into Facebook. We'll turn around and say Infusionsoft users. The next thing I want to do is look at who would their guru be. So if you were you know, in the small business world, it would be you know, top of the – and we're not talking internet marketing. Let's just say small business in general. You know, internet marketing, I could say Ryan Dice, people would know who I'm talking about. But if I'm going to offline, it would be like Dan Kennedy, Jay Abraham. So what we would do, we'd create a campaign that says they must like Infusionsoft, and they must also like Dan Kennedy. So we're, you know, and I'm, and I'm thinking if they're to the point of investing in Infusionsoft, they will probably absolutely know who Dan Kennedy is. Now, that narrows it down. The ad that speaks to the Dan Kennedy people are totally different than the ad that speaks to the Ryan Dice people. No, that's and really great. And just want to stop for just a second because you just you, you got such golden nuggets here. I'm like taking notes. Is that uh, you know you have Infusionsoft? Let's say it's a hundred thousand. Then you cross section that with Dan Kennedy. Now you're down to let's just say fifty thousand. But that's yeah. way more targeted. And you're right. The conversation of someone who's attracted to Dan Kennedy is very distinct. 
from someone who's attracted to Jay Abraham or Dice or anybody else because mm-hmm. they usually are attracted to someone they call they know like oneself, right? So they uh, yeah. attracted or like attracts like. So they if they like their language, like a Dan King language which is a lot more harsh and, and whatnot versus a Dice, then you would actually, what I call mirror the language, right? Is what you're saying, the copy yeah. to mirror the language. Oh my God, that's so brilliant. And I was, yeah. would you segment that out like, uh, one would be Infusionsoft with Dan Kennedy and Infusionsoft with Brian Dyson and make those two different yep. campaigns? Absolutely. You could combine them together, but like when you look at Dan Kennedy, he's grumpy old white guy. Yeah, I mean, totally grumpy old white guy. Like, I love him. <laughs> yeah. and, and and this is also another thing. Let's just say we got Dan Kennedy in one campaign, Frank Hearn in one campaign, and Ryan Dice. When's the last time you've seen Ryan Dice do a webinar? It's been a while. He's starting to do Facebook Live nowadays. Yeah. Um, when is last time you saw Frank Kern do a webinar? I don't know. I'm not on his list. <laughs> okay. He does webinars pretty regularly. Okay. Partially because that he's communicating. Ryan Dice, is, his people are literally contrained. Here's a sales letter. Here's a VSL. Buy it or it closes, mm-hmm. which is beautiful. I mean, it's a very simple model that he's perfected. And that's what his his people respond to. You know, you see Ryan, he's got the blazer on, he's in front of the whiteboard, or you see Molly, you know, they're all dressed very professional, you know, just a great user experience. When you see Frank, it's like, man, something just blew up. I can't believe I've got this webinar to work. You know, it's, it's a very different personality. While there's certainly overlap in those two things, you know, the way Frank, he's, you know, Frank lets you into his personal life. You know, his kids, his wife. You know everything is going on. When you see Ryan, it's very, very business, very professional. Yeah. You know, you don't see Molly up here going, yeah, you know, got a dog and a dog shoot up the couch. And, and then, you know, you, you don't see that. Right. Because it's like entertaining that, wanna... value. Like Frank De- Kern definitely adds more entertainment side and teaching. Mm-hmm. And I definitely know that, yeah. you know, digital marketer here, they're in Austin and they're down the street. They've really focused on that small business owner that's really educating Completely. So, yeah, it's a very different uh, mindset. And because of that, what we want to do is maybe even mimic, if you look at Ryan Dice's ads, they're always cartoon ads. They are. You know? He does do that. That's interesting. I wonder why he does that psychologically, if that's just a better pull, oh, it converts better. I, I, anytime we've tested the cartoon ads, they've done better. Partially because you don't, when you're scrolling through the news feed, they do stand out more. Mm. You know, like, if you look at Frank Kern, it's, he's literally, his face is on every ad you ever see. It's like, you know, and part of that is the branding and building of that personal brand. Right. Where Ryan, Ryan pretty much has stepped away from it and says, you know what, we, we could sell this at any given point. People are not buying Ryan, they're buying digital marketing. So I think part of that, that's why, like, there appears to be semi-detached from the, from the business itself, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he's yeah, starting to do with more of the brand of the company, so he can detach mm-hmm. and he can leverage over time, which is a really important piece. But people understand. People always talk about digital marketer. What you understand is, I mean, this is going back. Okay, Dice started as Brian Dice, you know, yeah. and then he moved into brand of company and moved away from guruism as him. And uh, it's an important piece. I think a lot of people try to sometimes go business first and you have to sometimes you have to mm-hmm. start as the base you know like with your company media buyer association that's definitely a business that you brand that but you co-brand it with you and it's synonymous yep. many times 
you know, when I when I see my little feed of Facebook, it says Charles Kirkland just posted a video. I'm like, oh, Charles, you know, if it came at me as Media Buyer Association just posted a video, I'm not saying I wouldn't connect it to in my head. But I mean, like, Charles, oh, I love Charles. I'm going to go click yeah. on it. You know, there's a different kind of connection to a person versus just a company. And what happens, you know, a lot of people, like if you look at Dan Kennedy, he is the face of, even though some, some other dude owns it, I just got an email, not an email, I got a letter from him, some dude, CEO, don't even know his name, um, AJ, which I will completely screw up the dude's name, but Dan Kennedy is still the face of that from what you see. Right. Because of that. We want to mimic everything about it. So, like, if I'm if I'm going out to the Ryan Dice audience, mm-hmm. I got a blazer. I'm in front of a whiteboard. I have a button-up shirt, and I'm speaking. Hey, this is Charles. Hope you're having a great day. We're going after the Frank Kern audience. It's like, hey, this is Charles. You won't believe what happened. It, we, we, you, I mean, even though, like, my personal, I'm laid back. I'm usually like, hey, hey, a very hyper anyway. You know, we try to make sure that we mimic what we see. So. Because of that, and we mimic the delivery style as far as, like, is it a webinar? Is it a VSL? Does it have a closed-down date? When you look at it from that standpoint, it becomes a totally different animal. And even take this a step further. So just imagine if you were going to Frank Kern's people, you know, if you had the grumpy Dan Kennedy of, like, this is what I got. You can buy it or you can kiss my (laughs) – People will be like, I don't know about that. I can't believe he said that. How dare he say? Who does he think he is? Say that. <laughs> Dan Kennedy can do that because that's it's what Dan Kennedy. Of. Right. It's expected. If he all of a sudden became sweet and loving, I would be like, what's wrong? What is in his coffee? <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Right. It's like, hi, so sweetie. Your, Go ahead. So when you're looking at your ads, you want to make sure that you mimic that. Your landing pages have a certain look and feel to them. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you can go in there and start literally start carving off pieces of somebody else's pie. And you have to do that from that standpoint of, like, how do they you, – you mimic them to an extent, but you definitely have to inject your own personality. But going back there, just like I said, we're using Infusionsoft. The person who likes Infusionsoft is a much higher – from a business standpoint, they're worth a lot more money than AWeber users. Completely worth a different amount of money. Okay, so this is and, great. I'm going to say this in a different way. Is you're leveraging – their audience, their what I call pattern, behavior pattern, they've already, the brand they've already created, right? You're basically yeah. leveraging that in your own marketing. Uh, God, that's so brilliant. I wish I talked to you like two weeks ago on something I was just doing. I'm like, I'm not oh, mimicking what they're already used to, right? I was giving them yeah. something new. And it doesn't, it, it, it's like weird, right? It's like inconsistent. Yeah. So they're like, oh, I don't like that because I'm over here listening to this which is Frank Kern, and then you're giving me something different that doesn't mirror match what I like, and so they're going to say mm-hmm. no to it. So you're saying mirror match base, mirror match your ad based on the audience that you're going after. It's so brilliant. Absolutely. So a good example, um, there's a company called Marketo. Mm-hmm. To, like, let's just say to have a Marketo solution, it's six figures to have a solution. Um, and it can certainly go beyond that. And for it, for what it does, it's absolutely amazing. Um, the clients that have Marketo love Marketo. The key that you have to understand, the average Joe who's get, get, getting started in internet marketing is not going to like Marketo, has never heard of Marketo, and probably thinks it sounds like a Hispanic word of marketing. I mean, it, <laughs> they just do not get it. Right. But when you go after Marketo users, you're going after people who basically are in a very large business who 
can drop $100,000 for a email management solution, you know, something of that nature. Those are very different people. Like, if they saw Frank Kern, they'd be like, who's this guy? But if they saw Ryan Dice, they would resonate with him. Mm. So, you know, you have to understand, like, you know, could this guy put out, a, you know, if they could print your ad and take it to their boss and go, hey, we'd like to invest in this training, some dude sitting by a pool in a hat, I'm not giving you, you know, I'm not giving you $5,000 for that. You're crazy. You print mm-hmm. out Ryan Dice, it's like, oh, yeah. That looks like one of us. Let's, let's you know, explore that. And mm-hmm. it's a totally different business mindset. Now, let's it's, go ahead and look at some from, from here. I'll be quiet. Yeah, no, it's quite. So I love that. And um, so what you ought to know is Marketo is really a six-figure solution. So I would say, I said another way, I think with Marketo, someone like that, it's a company that has what I call a dedicated person. That's all they deal with all day is probably yeah. Marketo. Like that is their job description is they are, you know, handle all the Marketo because it really is a full-time gig. You know, it's definitely not mm-hmm. a, a solo entrepreneur. Um, it's a big time six figure solution. Probably two or three people work on Mikado on a daily basis. Yeah. Uh, they ha- they yeah. have uh, that only they only have an employee for that, but they also probably have a full time programmer. So you get the world of it. They have a different kind of mentality. So let's say you did a, a an interest uh, dice times well, time with cross. What do you call that? Dice cross Marketo. What kind of people would you get? Wow, you would get some highly qualified people that are interested in Marketo and Dice at the same time. That would be highly qualified list. That's pretty cool. Yes. Yes. That would be the list that you, if you said you had a $100,000 mastermind, that would be the people who would be like, that sounds like a good investment. I, and, and there's, believe me, there's nothing wrong with $100,000 masterminds. It's probably one of the best investments you can ever make. But you have to understand those users are not the average user. And there may only right. be like 5,000 of those people. It may, only, it may only be 700 of them. But the value that those 700 people would bring to you could be six or seven figures. Mm-hmm. And that's really where most people make the mistake. They're so focused on, like, this is my audience size. And I hear a lot of guys and gals in podcasts say, no, it needs to be 100,000, it needs to be a million. And a lot of that is, like, generally, you know, like, in general rule of thumb. Um, truth of the matter is, and, and that is a good number, to, but what I look at it is, I just want the right number of the most hyper-qualified prospects I can get. And if you were to take it a step further, who likes Ryan Dice, Frank Kern, Dan Kennedy, and Fusionsoft also likes Marketo. You know, that, that's when you start looking at it. Then you can even go further. If you said, hey, show me people that are also Facebook page admins. So that means they have to be an admin on a page. The thing that's going to happen is, like, the Marketo users, the only people who are admins – I mean, these are you know pretty high-level executives. They're not going to show up in their Facebook admin unless they have their own page or their own consulting business. Correct. Yep, but, that's the key, true. But, but the people that you do get would probably be, you know, a young marketer or, you know, or, or someone who does marketing in the company. The executive probably doesn't like Facebook. Maybe, who knows? Um, you know, the key is you narrow it down. You carve it into the smallest segment you can possibly make it work with, and you go from there. Yeah, it's really interesting you say that. So I'm laughing because I remember back in the day when I was in corporate world, like 95 through 99, and I I sold telecommunications, i.e. I sold cell phones to people. Now, back in the day, you know, we would sell to companies that we wanted them to get Mm -hmm. it for all their employees or for their, you know, their 
outside staff or whatever. And it was a big investment because the phones were expensive. The monthly, the monthly fees were expensive. This is 95 people. Okay. And I remember people like, Oh, well you just have to get to the decision maker. You ever heard that saying old in the sales process, just get Mm -hmm. to the decision maker. And you're like, well, who the hell is that? (laughs) You know, sometimes it's this, sometimes it's the secretary or assistant, you know, sometimes it's the marketing person. Sometimes it's the CEO. And what you're doing here is you're basically doing cross-referencing and narrowing down a list to make it a hyper list and a decision maker list versus just a list. You know, we used to get these uh, uh, yellow pages and they go, okay, there's your lead list. Oh my God. And we would just go down a list and start calling. That's how we did it. It was cold calling back in the day. Hi, my name is, and can we start, my favorite is, can you just, can you give me the, um, the decision maker, please, of your telecommunications. I would usually get like a, a dial tone after that, like ding, ding, you know, because they, you know, they're not going to oh, yeah. give you that. You've got to find that. You've got to work at that, you know, and that's what you're doing. You can, you can actually create a, uh, I wouldn't even say a buyer's list, a decision making list, make it really small. I'd rather have a small list of decision makers of a hundred than a big list of a hundred thousand. That's just general. Oh, absolutely. And to make it even further, you know, the, the key is like, how would you market to those people? Like most people would make the attempt of, please give me your name and email. I'm going to give you a PDF. Yeah. Some guy who's the executive of a company, he will sign up for a white paper probably nine days out of 10. So, oh, you got a white paper on how to do something? A white paper on, you know, how to be a more effective management consultant? Sign me up for that. Sign up for your free ebook. You might as well just, you know, you might as well just keep your computer off the desk. Um, not going to happen. So the language that we use, even the style of sites that we use would mimic what we're expecting. Now, to even go further than this, it would be a case of when they opted into the list, because if it's that hyper-targeted, when they opted in, and this is what I do. You know, we've got a coaching business. When people opt into the webinar, I actually email them back. I go look at the site if I can find their domain and just say, hey, you know, I looked at your site. You know, what are you expecting to get out of the webinar that you just signed up for and I know people are like, my gosh, it's stupid. You know, it's not automated. You're right. But when you're asking people to give you the amount of money I am, I don't think you're going to get it automated, you know? And the same thing with those people. When they sign up for that white paper, you email them back, hey, just want to say thank you for grabbing the white paper. Um, you know, what is your biggest outcome? You're just trying to start a conversation with those people. And once you, then your conversation doesn't become, here's my 35-day follow-up sequence, buy or die. It becomes a lead-nurturing campaign, and um, you're, you're familiar with what I'm going to say, but uh, and you may have to break this down in some better terms. When you're looking at having a pipeline, sales yeah. pipeline, we need to look at it from the standpoint, are we in communication? Did we close the deal? Are we talking? You need to really look at it from that standpoint versus just a 30-day follow-up sequence. You know, you're talking high money, high-value people. They expect personalization. You know, like I said, let's just say there's 700 of those people. I would much rather have 700 of those people having a personal conversation with my Gmail account than have 700 people going through a 30-day follow-up wondering why they're not buying. Yeah, said in another way, this is great, is that in the old school sales, it goes from suspect prospect to buyer. It's a little, you know, one, two, three. And um, nowadays, there's so much technology and so much autoresponder stuff that high ticket, high ticket stuff is what I call the higher the ticket, the more touch you have to have. I think yeah. the more touch and less automatic. 
right? So if I go to Udemy and buy a $7 course or $15 course, they don't have to touch me. I don't expect them to have a phone call. But if I go and fill out a survey and I know on the other side, if it doesn't tell me the price, like a good restaurant doesn't give you the price and you know it's expensive. Um, it's like mm-hmm. if, if I fill that out, I expect a phone call, not an email. Like, I hate this because I've done this before. Um, Hi, Heather, you fill out a survey. When you when you have time, please uh, give us a call. Like, I don't have time. Like, I don't have time. Don't Why would that. I call them? You should be calling me. I just raised my hand and said, I'm interested in you. Now you can return that and call me because there's no way I'm going to give you more than two, maybe three or $400 if I don't know you if without a phone call, without some kind yeah. of conversation. You know, and so I think that that's an interesting piece that you're talking about. The more high price, you need to go lower tech and high touch, right? Absolutely. And and that's total opposite from what I see everybody doing. Like, um, give an example, we've got a $100,000 mastermind. And I'm always happy when people give me money. I want them to give me as much money as they can humanly give me because I want to provide as much value as I can back to them. But the key is nobody's joining that stuff from a 30-day 60-day follow you, you you don't beat people in submission for that kind of money. Mm-hmm. $500, yeah, you know, it's closing, countdown timers happening today, and your life's going to be completely disastrous if you don't buy the. We can do that to $500 product. You know, like I said, but when you get up into higher-end products, there's a certain level, and, and like you said, there's a certain level of personalization that needs to happen. I expect for a phone call, I expect to for everything to have a certain look and feel. And that's when we, you know, like while we're going back to, and while we have gone back to whenever we do the high ticket stuff, we're using literally, if you, and anybody's been in sales and you know exactly what I'm talking about, literally we're like, okay, where's the ad in the deal? What was, the, what was his last objection? You know, are you calling the person back? Where's the direct mail going out? Did he get a packet? Did he get a welcome packet? I mean, literally that's the kind of stuff you're asking. And you don't you don't ask those questions over a seven dollar product. You ask no. those questions over a higher price product. No, absolutely. And nowadays, oh my god, I remember the day I used to get packages. <laughs> you know, now it's only Amazon. <laughs> I mean, if I got a package <laughs> from Charles Kirkland or the Media Buyer Association about a mastermind, I'd be like tearing it open, like what's this? I was invited. That's another piece I think of sales that I absolutely think people forget, and I love. Everyone loves to be invited. We all love to be invited to a party. We all love to be invited to an event. Like if I say, hey, you know, Charles, you should go to this event. You're like, I don't know if I should go. I think if I should go, I need to talk to my wife. Right. All that goes on. If I say, Charles, I want to invite you. I want to invite you to this party that's happening on Tuesday. You're like, oh, Oh, you're inviting me. Oh, 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 well, I'm okay what is it about you know you're like really intrigued and so sending a package of like i invite you to be part of our special mastermind there's this whole another world that opens up in someone's head i love that i love to be invited by the way i don't get those anymore no one invites me they all tell me i should and you should be part of this mastermind because it's so cool you should be part of this event i'm like how about try inviting me? oh let's, let's take this a step further let's okay. take this a complete step further i love okay, it okay you've been invited you get the piece of paper, and it's a white business envelope with a white piece of paper that says you're invited. I'm going to shred it. If I get something that looks like a wedding invitation, if I get something that looks, you know, that tan, that cream with a gold stick around it, the tan label, 
it's a to me it's a done deal. It's like you know I'm important. Right. That tells you that somebody cared enough to really invite me. Yeah. I've gotten so many things from people, and I open it up, and it's like, you know, here, instead of sending you a sales letter, we've got it in a Magalog format. We'd like you to give us some money. Um, while it's still very effective in a lot of things, I want to feel that there's a level of personalization that goes along with that. And the problem is most of the people that you're talking to from a, let's just, let's just say, let's just say, I'm, I'm going to use quick math here. We've got a thousand high-end buyers on your list that contributed 90% of your income, 80% of your income. Doesn't make a difference. Out of that thousand people, if you just send them emails till they buy or they die, they will buy to a certain extent, and then they will pretty much die off from your email address. Under they unsubscribe, change email addresses, whatever the case may be. When you're collecting that full buyer data, because I see so many people, all they get is like, "What's we got name and email?" Man, you're, you're already screwed on. You're already behind the eight ball because people change emails so often. That's you know, true. I want that. I want that home address. I want. I want the home address. I want the cell phone. I want to be able to send you out direct mail based on whatever action you take on our site. You bought one thing and then you buy another. I want to go ahead and say, hey, you know what? It, when did you come to the site? How long did it take you to become a buyer? When did you buy your second product? How long did it take you to buy your third product? What products haven't you bought? How can I ascend you on the ladder of, um, you know, let's just call it the code of Charles. How can we ascend you on this ladder to get you to buy more products? How can we buy more value? That's not done in Facebook. That's not done in Gmail. That's not done in LinkedIn. That's done by pen, paper, stamp, and a phone call. And a phone call. Yeah, it's so and, true. People try to sell without getting outside the out off their desk when they're you know really truly and 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 I'll, I'll take one more step further. So when I was in outside sales, um, and I mean I literally had a quota, right? And if I didn't get the quota, I would I would be fired. That's how that goes. And so there was a few months there that I'm like, I'm not going to, I mean, I'm not going to get my quota. So they, someone said, well, you should just go solicit. Have you been to a a park, a business park? Um, They would drop Mm -hmm. us off and we would just literally go solicit. Knock, knock, knock. Nowadays they have those big signs. No solicitors, please. Which I would bypass anyway, by the way. So I would just walk in and I would sell. Now when you, you really learn how to sell, when you are a face to face, you know, because yeah. they give you the rolling of the eyes or the like, get along here, sweetie, or who the hell are you or get the hell out of my office. One of the mm-hmm. two or three or four every now and then you get the, Oh, come on back. Let's have a conversation. And that's when you actually have a sales process that happens. And people forget that, that actually it's in that kind of environment and you have to get that. Now you have to move past the computer screen into their home and actually connect with them. I think that's where it happens. I, you're right. I, I, oh I mean, oh I I've never been part of a mastermind uh, I, before where someone doesn't call me, right? Go ahead. I, I used to uh, give an example. We used to sell metal buildings door to door when right after college. And literally, it was pretty much here's the yellow page. It's very similar to you. You call these people until you get an appointment. Then you go to the, you know, then you do the appointment. You do the, you know, you go knock on the door, dog is showing, dog and pony show. And, you know, either you, you know, we had what called a plate lickers, which pretty much means you bought dinner for a bunch of people. They would show up, eat dinner, plate lickers, not buy anything. But I'm going to just tell you, doing that, I think, has made more of an impact on my business. And that was 20 years ago because I learned how to sell face-to-face. When they said no, you just kept going. The sale doesn't start until somebody says no. 
most people want to be internet order takers. They just want to be a live chat order taker and go, oh, you want to, so you want to join the mastermind, it's $2,000 per month, 4000 whatever number it is. They want to be order takers. And when they say no, order takers like the McDonald's, well, well, bye. You have to be a salesperson. When they say no, that's really when the sales start. Oh my gosh, I love your view. That's so true. And uh, we are working, I work the company SkinnyBeam.com. I'm the marketing director there and, and um, co-founder. And we're working with our, our, our I guess, our associates, right? Um, we're working with them on selling because Dr. Don sells this big package. It's basically a weight loss package. It's very good. And it's about $2,000. And it definitely messes with people's psyche because when you're dealing with weight loss, you're dealing with all kinds of emotions about their body and all kinds of stuff. So he usually does a great job of what I call pushing them to the fence, you know what we call it that mm-hmm. in the sales world, and then it's the job of the associate. Just what, what we we tell her, we said we led the horse to the water, and then your job is just just to you know take take the water, <laughs> you know, like yeah. just just take the water. And we were I was oh, I was in the office, and I'm I'm not part of the team in the forefront. So I'm in the background, and I overheard one mm-hmm. associate say because you know, the doctor did all the work, hands for the paperwork, and all it now is just a conversation of what I call get the money, right? And mm-hmm. she said the worst thing you could ever say. She said, do you want this? Are you ready? And uh, it killed the sale. It killed the wholesale because then they started mm-hmm. to think, oh, I don't know. I don't want this, right? No, 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 no. They just spent two hours with the doctor, right? And the, they said, yes, this is what they want. The doctor, rec- and it's a doctor, it's an authority conversation. So we and lost the cell. The cell walked out of the door, and Don was That's so mad. That's two thousand dollars at the door, and to the associate, it's like, oh, no big deal. Like to us. That's called overhead. <laughs> That's called the lights yeah. can't be turned on now. You know, so it's a big deal in the world of sales. So we have to we have to walk through, you know, to having a conversation with them. And I learned something from their associates. There's two of them. And I said, you guys have the same disease. And they go, what's that? I go, you have the people please disease. You want to people please. Mm-hmm. Now that's really great in some aspects. When you're in sales, you don't ask them. You tell them. So it's like I call it. Uh, uh, have you ever been around horses before? You don't go up to yes. the horse and say, "Horse, do you want water? Do you want food? Where do you want to go right now, horse?" The horse just stares at you. Okay, you have to take get next to the horse, get behind, you know, get right next to it, not behind it, not in front of it, get next to it, and then you start walking, right? And the horse starts walking. You lead, you lead the horse, and that visualization just right then, both of them were like. Oh, okay. I can get that. Like I can do that. I can lead the horse, right? I can lead the horse to the water. I can lead the horse over the fence, right? And it's that conversation. And when you, when, what you're talking about is you're inviting people and then you're leading people, right? Yes. Am I, am I understanding that right? I'm just kind of saying it like a metaphorically oh, right. way. Okay. Oh, that's that's true. Right. Media buying. Go ahead. Let me interrupt you. And, and that's, and that's the key. Like, you know, most media buyers make the mistake of going, well, that all happens online. I, you know, it hands off somebody else's job or we pass it to sales, we pass it to wherever. When you look at it from a standpoint of media buying is only like one one wheel in a big machine. It's like a giant Swiss watch. And it, it is the wheel that turns everything else from a standpoint it feeds the people into the funnels. But you have to make sure you've got the right things in place. Now when we're doing media buying for seven dollar product, you know, hundred and ninety seven dollar upsell, five hundred dollar webinar 
none of that ever happens. It's like, you know, you go through the automated sequence, you get the emails, you get, you know, you get the usual stuff, the usual suspects. You've seen it a million times. Mm -hmm. But when you're dealing with a higher end product or you're dealing with a niche that's not used to it, we have to like totally change our language around. So like when, give an example, um, the media buying, if we said get a thousand leads a day, if you're an internet marketer or an affiliate marketer or you're a product owner, you're like, hallelujah, sign me up. That I want some of that. If you're a coach or consultant, you go, man, if I got 10 leads a day, I can't even handle them. Yeah. So we have to literally tone everything. We have to like, and, and, it's, and to get 10 leads is really the same way of getting a thousand. It's really not a lot of difference in the process. Mm -hmm. It's really just how much, kind of like a car, how much gas you match, how far you match your pedal down. The car is the same. It just, Depends on what you're trying to do. Absolutely. So what we have to look at is how do we look at it from the standpoint of how do we tailor the message with the language that the prospect is going to be open to hearing, used to hearing. So when we work with coaches, we, we're talking 10 leads a day and how many strategy sessions can you handle? You know, to affiliates, because the coaching is very, very one-on-one. -on -one. It's a very personal, you know, it's not a fast process. But when you look at it from a standpoint of affiliates or like product owners, it's usually more of here's a commodity, here's some scarcity, buy my product. You know, there's really no personalization put into it. It's pretty much buy or die type scenario. We don't care if you don't buy. Tomorrow there's going to be a thousand other people looking at the same offer. So it's a totally different concept. Okay, that makes sense. So depending on if it's a coaching, right, 10, 10 uh, sessions a day or 10 introduction calls a day is a lot versus an online marketer. Yes. It's like, that's nothing. So it's depending on the type of business. I completely concur with that. That's that's really interesting. So how? So let's just wrap it up here. Um, let's talk about your company, Media Buyer Association. Mm -hmm. Who are the best, who's your, you know, who is the best person to say yes and say, I want to work with you on with Media Buyer Association? Who's your... Who's your market? Um, who's who's part of your who's your clients? Actually, we got two different sites, which are totally aimed for two different clients. I know that's silly as to say, um, but for like the media buyer association, we're looking for like affiliates, uh, product owners, online marketers, agencies, you know, digital digital entrepreneurs for the most part. You know, we we work with those people. Um, that's who that site's actually geared for. We've got another site called Leads, Clients, Profits, which is really the same thing, but it's a very toned-down version where we're talking strategy session, coaching, clients, consultants, and we, you know, literally the funnels are two. Are you couldn't have two totally opposite funnels. One is purely math numbers. The other one is only want a handful of the right people. So literally, that is the avatar. And I've seen so many people make the mistake of having one site try to appeal to two avatars. It doesn't work. So leadclientsprofits.com and mediabuyerassociating.com. And leadclientprofits.com, I'm checking it out right now. It looks totally hot. Um, and it really is for coaches. I, and it is true because coaches obviously have a different price point, a higher price yep. point, obviously because they're dealing with time versus money, consultants, time versus money. Um, and so that's really that's really awesome. So how can they find you? Just just those two websites? Anything else? Any, do you have a, a yeah. podcast or anything else that you can uh, you want to? Yeah. Talk about? Yeah, we have, uh, just, yeah, we've got the Media Buyer Association podcast. We're usually up there yapping about something. And, um, you know, we were talking a couple days ago about Yahoo being bought for like $5 billion for Verizon, which really is huge for them. Oh, and, that's and huge. Huge opportunity. huge opportunity. You know, and 
And so massive opportunity on that end. But yeah, you know, the big thing is just hit the NBA, hit the Media Buyer Association, um, opt-in. We've got tons of content. We, I mean, literally, there, there's no shortage of content on that site. There's probably upwards of 60 hours of content. It's a lot of content. So, you know, hop in, you know, jump in there. Um, you know, if you've got questions, just hit the reply button to the email and um, I can answer Oh, I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, so MediaBuyerAssociation.com. I'm a member, everyone, just so you know. I'm a member. I'm a member. Um, I'm a member of Media Buyer Association. I've learned a ton from you from the different kinds of media buying, all the way from Facebook to LinkedIn to Twitter. So uh, I love learning from you. You're a great communicator and trainer. You know that, Charles, but I just want to let people know that. You really are an amazing trainer. And go check out his podcast. And what is the name of your podcast? I'm trying to find it right now. Media Buyer Association. Oh, of course. It's on SoundCloud. Actually, it's media, <laughs> yep, it's actually media, buy, it's media buying for smart marketers. Oh, okay, great. I'm looking online. That's all I want to see. So media buying for smart marketers. Love it. Go check out the podcast. And I just want to say thank you so much for your time today, Charles. I just absolutely love you. You have, you're so full of content and you uh, just, and your course, amazing full of energy. So thank you for your time today. And any last words before we close it out? Have a good one and go take action. <laughs> take action. All right. Thanks guys. This is the win with Heather Havenwood. Thank you for listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. Interested in coaching with Heather? Go to heatherhavenwood.com and sign up for a business discovery consultation. Here is your free gift for listening. Get three audio chapters of Heather's book, Sexy Boss, How Women Empowerment is Changing the Rulebook when you text the word sexy to 7200. Again, text the word sexy, that is S-E-X-Y, to 7200 and receive your three audiobook chapters. Number is good only in North America. For outside the USA, text sexy to plus one three two three four five seven double two double eight. Text sexy to plus one three two three four five seven double two double eight. Long distance charges may apply. Heather wants to hear from you. Questions you want answered on the show. Comments, interview requests. Email media at sexybossinc.com or leave a private voicemail. 51 boss is me. Again, the number is 512-677-4763. Check out all of Heather's sites. Heatherhavenwood.com SexyBossInc.com E2Lab.com DatingTriggers.com This is a sexy boss rap. This podcast is a copyright of Havenwood Worldwide, LLC.